Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already and ring the notification bell in the upper right corner so you're notified each time we have a brand new episode go live on YouTube. And today's episode is dedicated to Calvin Atkinson, whom generously donated $100 to support the channel. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question, we will answer it at the end of the episode. And if you donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. And once again, today's episode is dedicated to Calvin Atkinson. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure having you. And we have a fun episode to talk about today. And while it is not about the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft that is making waves in the industry right now. That is something we will get into in a future episode. We're going to talk about Sony's 2022 and some of their upcoming plans in the year and how gamers have plenty to be excited about with the PlayStation 5, as we did last week with Nintendo. But before we get into that, I'd like to thank Manscaped for sponsoring Nate the Hate. And I'd like to remind everyone to a cheerful 2022. And make sure you keep your resolutions you can actually keep. And one of those resolutions is having clean and shiny balls all year long. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code NATEHATE for 20% off and free shipping. And MVG, have you been keeping up with new your New Year's resolution of clean and sexy balls? I have, Nate, and uh, I will tell you that this year I took my package to the next level with the Performance Package 4.0 and the brand new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you will find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts, and it comes equipped with a 4,000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2022 looks to be. And to complete the set, Manscaped will throw in their shared travel bag and anti-chafing box of briefs as free gifts to complete all your goodies stored comfortably. And this new product... Needs no introduction. The Ultra Premium Body Wash from Manscaped solves all three for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but in the shower. I shower every day, and I hope you do as well. This body wash smells great too. It's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. So yes, Manscaped is part of my 2022 New Year's resolution. And why don't you tell the fine folks once again where they can get in on this amazing deal. Yes, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NATEHATE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code NATEHATE. That's one word, NATEHATE. It's New Year, no pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. And you know what else is in 2022? An exciting year to be a PlayStation 5 owner. And we're going to talk about some of the software that Sony has planned for this coming year. And right off the bat in January, Sony has the Uncharted, was it the Lost Thieves collection, which is Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy coming to PlayStation 5. It actually releases, I believe, later this week. 
where you get improved resolution and performance on the PlayStation 5 over the PlayStation 4 version of the game. And while this release isn't major, it's certainly a quality release that anyone who may not have played these two games on the PlayStation 4 should look into and consider. And if you have the PlayStation 4 versions, I believe you can upgrade to the PlayStation 5 version for $10 where you will get those enhancements. Now, there is a caveat with that. When you play it on the PlayStation 5, you actually lose access to the multiplayer. That will not be featured in this release. And for an individual like myself, I enjoyed the multiplayer of Uncharted 4 back when the game originally launched. But it's not something I have returned to in more recent years. And I'm actually not going to play this collection on the PlayStation 5. I had my fill of these two games. I enjoyed them very much. But the enhancements that will be offered on PS5 simply don't appeal to me enough to justify a $10 upgrade fee. But is this a release that is on your radar right now, MVG? No, for the same reasons as you said, Nate, I've played and finished both and I, I love both games. I think they're excellent. But really, it's just not really enough for me to double dip and go back and play them again, even though there are benefits to playing it on the PS5. I mean, ultimately, it's going to be something where it's like, I've already played these games, I've experienced them. And for me, it's it takes quite a bit to go back to a single-player narrative-driven game um, and replay them. And as mentioned, as you said, the multiplayer portion is nowhere to be found in this release as well. And I'm not sure if that's because they've already sunset the servers on the existing versions or not, Nate. I'm not sure if, if you know that, but either way, we're not getting it. So, look, I'm probably going to give this one a miss. Um, you know, I, th- I think I'll watch a Digital Foundry video that they'll they'll show off and that'll be enough for me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, even like the idea of haptics, a sharper 4K image, it's enticing, but it's just not worth a $10 upgrade fee for me because, as you right. mentioned, it is a single-player narrative-driven experience, and I've already experienced these narratives. And Uncharted 4 was a fine conclusion to Nathan Drake's story, and Lost Legacy is an excellent side game starring Nadine and Chloe. And Chloe, yep. And, you know, it's a really good game that I definitely encourage those who may not have played it to experience on the PlayStation 5 if you can. And I think it's actually a nice little release for Sony to kick off the new calendar year. And it kind of reminds me of how we've seen Nintendo often start their calendar year in previous years. In 2021, we had New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. And in prior years before, like we had Super Mario 3D World with Bowser's Fury, or we had Bayonetta 1 and 2. We had these slightly enhanced versions of Wii U titles. and this kind of feels as though Sony took a page from Nintendo's book there of just taking prior gen games, enhancing it a slight bit to start off the year with something new, something that should entice new buyers or new new inhabitants to the PlayStation ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But Sony gets the ball rolling right away in February when they do bring a hyped major release to market with Horizon Forbidden West, which will come to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. And that feels like the title that Sony's really using to set the tone for the PlayStation 5 in 2022. This is a big release. It has had a slight bit of controversy around it when Sony tried to upcharge the 
you know, players to go from PS4 to the PlayStation 5 version. Sony quickly walked that back and said the upgrade will be free. That is the original wording we had when we announced the game. We will honor that. And this is a release I'm definitely looking forward to. Same, mate. This this is a potential. I'm not saying it will be, but has the potential of being a game of the year contender. Honestly, uh-huh. I mean, I think it's it's that high of a caliber of a game. Everything that we've seen of this game so far looks impressive. The even the base kind of PlayStation Four versions look graphically a step up from the previous game, which honestly is quite it's quite old now. I think it's. Five years old now, maybe it's it's been a yes. it's been a while since the game came out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, this game looks exceptional, and uh, I can't wait. I mean, I think this is a game that I've been waiting for for a while. Um, and again, you know, I really want that reason to to turn the PS Five on and play something. And this is <laughs> this will be this will absolutely get usage and and rotation on my PS Five, no doubt about. It. I'm very mu- much excited about Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. The original Horizon came out five years ago. It was the end of February of 2017, released just ahead of Breath of the Wild. So Forbidden West is actually in an advantageous situation here. It doesn't have to complete or compete with Breath of the Wild 2. So right, that's that will definitely do the year. game some favors. Because that's coming out next year, right? Ooh. So we, we, they, we already talked about this. We we did, but we were kind of in a disagreement there. <laughs> <laughs> but like this title... Regardless of its cross-gen nature, it still looks as though it's taking advantage of the PlayStation 5 in numerous ways, especially with the visual fidelity that we have seen displayed by the title. And, you know, it's going to have haptics, so it's going to take advantage of that DualSense controller. And it's definitely, it follows Uncharted nicely with that kind of that one-two punch of nice introductory title, now here's a heavy hitter. And then immediately following Horizon Forbidden West, we have Gran Turismo 7. Ooh, I can't wait for this game. I, I mean, it's wait. another cross-gen game. And that seems to be the trend for Sony in 2022 is that we're going to see a lot of these cross-gen games from their first-party publishing studios. But these are still big releases for the PlayStation ecosystem. And Gran Turismo 7 visually looks amazing we had our first glimpse of what next generation can do with racing games with forza horizon 5 on the xbox series s and x and now we're going to see gran turismo 7 on the playstation 5 and gran turismo it isn't as hyped a release for me as the series used to be going back to the playstation 2 and playing gran turismo 3 uh, yeah it like that was that revolutionary wow moment this doesn't have me there yet. We're still about two months from release. Maybe the hype will hit me as we get near. But it's definitely something that a lot of people are going to have on their radar. You yep. definitely have it on your radar. I will say that, you know, people are going to call me a fanboy or whatever. Um, look, at the end of the day, <laughs> I like I like Xbox. I like PlayStation. I like Nintendo. I've always felt like, and some people aren't going to like this, but whatever. I've always felt like Gran Turismo was the superior franchise over Forza. Forza is very, very, very good, and I love Forza. But there's something for me about Gran Turismo that is just almost perfection. The way that the the cars drive, the way that it Uh feels, the way that the cars handle is, is crafted to a science. I mean, if you look at the two games, the franchises over the years, 
Gran Turismo has had a bit of a head start over Forza. Forza has been around for a long time. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the original Motorsport came out on the OG Xbox, but Gran Turismo came out on the original PlayStation and Polyphony has always been the company at the helm making those games. They know how to make good racing games. I'm very, very hyped about Gran Turismo. As long as it doesn't rely too much on online features, uh, and there has been some talk that it has to be connected to the internet and stuff like that. I'm not too worried about that right now, Nate. Um, as long as I can play, you know, uh, a, a good, solid campaign. I like GT Sport. I thought that was an interesting experiment, but I didn't like the fact that it was just kind of, you know, basically an online service type of game. And if you try to play it offline, you couldn't really do much with it. I think this one hopefully will go back to kind of traditional Gran Turismo style and kind of the campaign where you, you know, you take your driver's license tests and kind of work through the ranks, you know, to be (laughs) an elite. But Mm -hmm. I got to ask you about this because I am interested in your thoughts. How do you think the marketing around Gran Turismo will go? What what kind of marketing should we expect? Do you think it's just going to be a part of a, an early state of play? Or do you think there'll be something else? Or do you think they won't really give it that much attention marketing-wise? I, I would I would think that they would, but you're right. This is a, a racing game, and you know, there's a certain element of people that won't be that interested in playing the game. So mm-hmm. how do you think the marketing around Gran Turismo will go or what that will look like? I mean, if I were Sony, I would want it in a a state of play, but I would also want to give it a dedicated state of play where I can showcase all the new features, the game modes, how the online is going to be utilized and how users can connect together and really immerse themselves into the world that Gran Turismo 7 wants to deliver. Because when we first saw the game introduced, they were talking about a lot of in-game systems. And it was almost overwhelming right? the amount of options the player could have. So I think we do see a dedicated state of play for the title where they go into it in depth and they give us that you know information. And I think that would do the game well. We know it's visually pleasing. We know it's going to wow with the car details because that's Polyphony's specialty. They have always have mastercrafted the details of a car all the way down to the tire. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to doubt that now. It's just all those extras. How's the online going to work? Right. What, how's the single player going to develop? Because my highs with Gran Turismo were definitely with three and four. And it was, as you mentioned, like that campaign of getting the new license yep. and advancing that career. I liked that structure of going from this area to another course to race using my Mazda Miata that I bought for $20,000 in the game and trying to get a on as many races as I could and then moving on and buying a better car and trying, you know, continue to level up and improve my skill. If they have something like that in seven, my interest is going to definitely rise. Those are the type of questions that we need answers to with this title. It's, still a very hype release for the you know for the PlayStation. Yeah. Because sure. it is Gran Turismo. This is an iconic legendary franchise for the platform and it's going to remain that way. Hopefully they find that balance between a numbered Gran Turismo and GT Sport with Gran Turismo 7. Because right. if they're able to marry those two ideas, you could have that 
expansive, almost as a game as a service, Gran Turismo. But if you have a strong campaign, you're going to bring in a lot of laps fans like myself, I believe. Right. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you you nailed it. Um I think they have a really solid kind of platform here to to knock it out of the park and I think they will. Um yeah, I, I can't wait. In, in many ways, I'm kind of more excited about this than I am about Horizon. Uh, but you know, both games early, early in the part of this year, uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like a one-two punch, really. Like it's it, that's some some really good games to start off the year with. Yeah, I mean, that's just the first three months of 2022 for the PlayStation Five. You have Uncharted, Horizon, Gran Turismo. Those are major franchises for the PlayStation right now. And to start off the calendar year with each one in consecutive months, it's an amazing start. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you just need access to a PlayStation 5, well, or a PlayStation 4 to play these games. And, yes. And we will talk about that because um, yeah, Sony that was, is making that available to people. Yes. That was big news from Sony over the past week. And I would imagine the next release from Sony for 2022. It's going to be MLB the show because baseball season. We don't really need to wait for that to be announced. It's an annual thing. And, you know, MLB the show last year was a quality game. Didn't really feel as though it was a next generation take on the sport. It still felt rooted in the PlayStation 4 generation of consoles. So I'm expecting this year to be a little more graphically pushing. I would imagine... Microsoft also tries to get it on Game Pass once again. I was gonna, a- I was gonna ask you about that. Do you think? Do you think <laughs> Lightning will strike twice, and it will be announced on Game Pass? Game Pass yes. first. Ooh. I said Game Pass. That that was a bit of a a slip there, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be on Game Pass day one. What do you think? I think it's on Game Pass game one, uh, day one again. I, I think do. I think Microsoft is going to continue to work with MLB and make it happen. It was very successful on Game Pass and the Xbox. So if you're Major League Baseball, you're going to want that deal once again. And it kind of reminds me of a deal that T-Mobile does Mm -hmm. every single year. T-Mobile gives any subscribers to their service one year to MLB.tv. So this allows you to watch any baseball game all season long and they do it every single year at the start of the season. So I, and that's one of those deals that's negotiated with major league baseball. I think game pass and MLB, the show is going to be that same type deal. Microsoft is just going to go back. They're going to secure the game for their service because major league baseball wants to wants baseball in as many homes as possible. They want people watching the games and they want people playing the video game. And if you're Sony, you still have the PlayStation. People are still going to buy it on your platform. 
I don't think it going to Game Pass last year really hurt Sony in any meaningful way. So bring it, bring it on. No, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it, it hurt, hurt them at all. I just, you know, San Diego, right? San Diego <laughs> Studios is, is, the, is the dev that did it, mm-hmm. right? It's hard for me to imagine that studio have, having a bunch of Xbox dev kits in that studio. You well, know, that they're working on mind. the game first. But you have to keep in mind when MLB the show was announced to go multi platform, this is now two years ago. They had kind of outlined that by 2022, MLB the show would arrive on the Switch. True, true. Yeah, you got me there. That's, that's so, right. Yep. So we could see Sony's first game on the Nintendo Switch in true. just a few months. Interesting. What is that version going to look like? <laughs> uh, we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there, mate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speculate on that, but um, no. I, I mean, you bring up some good points. I I just kind of felt like that. I don't know. I mean, look, I don't want to say Sony was blindsided by the announcement. Of course, they knew about it, you know. But it, man, it was a pretty hype announcement because it kind of felt like. And I, I, this is perception, right? This is not the way it went down behind the scenes. Surely not, because mm-hmm. you know, San Diego Studios has been working on this game for a long time, but it just kind of felt like Microsoft came in and just kind of wiped it from underneath Sony. That's not that's not what happened, but that's kind of the way it kind of felt like. Right. So I am wondering how it's going to go again this year. But no, I mean, you bring up some good points about MLB and and, and everything. You know, day one on Game Pass, I guess. I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. You know, every time it happens, I'm like, you know, is this going to happen again? But um, I guess, I guess it could. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect that it will happen again. And you know, it's not going to have that impact it had last year. It was just so out of, it was just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was like a pinch hit home run from the guy whose batting average was zero. Right, he never got a hit. It was basically a pinch hit pitcher hitting a game-winning grand slam you didn't expect it it was like wait what just happened mlb the show's on game pass day one like wow if it happens again this year it's not going to have that reception it's going to be okay that's cool everyone gets to play the game there's no losers here unless you buy the switch version (laughs) (laughs) depending on the quality i'm sure it'll be high quality i mean Sony San Diego produces great baseball games. So, oh, yeah. I mean, at worst, we're getting a PS3 version of Emily the Show. <laughs> we joke because we love. So, hopefully, no one gets too mad at us. <laughs> now, the only other confirmed Sony release for 2022 at this point is God of, God of War Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a title that they originally proclaimed would be out in 2021. It was never coming out in 2021. And now it's just dated as a vague 2022. Yep. We really, we've seen, I want to say, a fair bit of the game. We know the mythology. We know Thor is going to show up in the game. Mm-hmm. Is this their big holiday game? I think so. I think so. But maybe it's not. You know, like, I have thought about this a little bit as far as, you know, we're assuming that this is their big holiday game, but there's also, you know, some signs that point to maybe this game will be done and ready to go kind of earlier than that, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've been following tweets from some of the developers and the people that work at Sony Santa Monica. You know, you, you see tweets that say, you know, wrapping up production and and last day of of you know mocap and you know all that sort of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm not saying it's 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 completed now, but it sounds like they're starting to button up this release, right? So I do wonder, you know, if this actually is the holiday game or if this is a we'll say a you know, September, August, September type game, you know, end of the summer, right. start of the fall. And if that's the case, then what is the big holiday game? But look, if I if I was going to put money on this, Nate, I mean, you have to go with what you know, and mm-hmm. you're right. What we know right now are the games that we've talked about. So I would probably put money on God of War being the holiday game. Uh, it's, you know, I think it's going to sit there um, at the end of the year as a big contender at the Game Awards. But yes. what if it's not? I mean, what is see, it, where does that leave us with, with Sony then? See, I don't think it will be the big holiday game. I actually Ooh. agree with you in terms of a release frame of September. Yeah, It feels like that start of fall pre-holiday game is how I'll call it. It does, doesn't it? It has that aura to it. Like we'll get one more meaningful blowout of the game, probably Sony's June state of play or PlayStation presentation, however they brand it. And then the game's going to come out about three months later. That I feel like that's the marketing that they're doing with this title. Kind of like they're going to position it like Ghost of Tsushima was mm-hmm. as the PlayStation 4 swan song. Right. Or what was deemed to be the PlayStation 4 swan song before we found out that Horizon, Gran Turismo 7, and God of War were all coming to the PlayStation 4. I think that is that pre-holiday game because they're going to have a bigger title for their holiday. And now this is going to get into some of our speculation of where Sony goes in 2022 for first party. And I think the holiday game this year is going to be The Last of Us Part 1 remake. Okay, well let's let's explore that because I have thought about that. I mean that is that is a game that has been rumored. I think it's a safe bet that it it, it exists and it will be something that we'll see showcased mm-hmm. this year. But how do you think that's going to go down? So I mean, it's a remake of a PS3 right. game that got a <laughs> PS4 version. Mhm which you can play on backward compatible on a PS5. So that they gave PS5 users they, as part that, of the PlayStation Plus that, collection. Right. So look, Sony's all about people double dipping, right? You know, we we know this. And look, let's be let's be realistic about this. If this is the game, it's still going to mm-hmm. sell millions of copies because it's a beloved yes. Sony franchise. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. game. And Mm -hmm. in many people's minds, it's one of the best games they've ever played. So, yes. I mean, in that regard, it makes sense. But I also question, this is, like I said, this is a game that we've seen before numerous times. And uh, so, what are they going to kind of give us that's kind of different this go around? Do you think they're going to add some stuff to bring it in line with the TV show? Uh, Yes. Well, I mean- if that's true, then that would definitely be a case for, hey, you, you definitely want to go back and play this game again because there is some new 
you know, new content that we've added into the game. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I'm curious I, about your thoughts on this, I guess. I think they will try to position it for the holiday game. And, you know, there is always that chance that we see a delay. Because when you look back at the PlayStation 4, Sony delayed basically every single game that was originally slated for a holiday release and it ended up slipping to spring. Right. So there's always that chance that that could happen here. But I think they want The Last of Us remake to be positioned as closely as they can with the HBO television show, which is slated to come out later this year. It's just that simple hand in hand marketing. Yep. So when that comes out, you're going to you're going to change the game probably slightly because we have to keep in mind this is a remake. This isn't just an enhanced remaster. Right. So by using that term remake, they can modify narrative points. Yep. They can modify certain character interactions that we had experienced in the PlayStation 3 game. I would almost view the PlayStation 3 game at this point as maybe a skeletal outline of what we will get with the remake. Because we know we're going to see beautiful, lush visuals that probably put part two to shame. Because mm-hmm. we know the skill level at Naughty Dog. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And when I think back to when I originally played The Last of Us Part 1, it was definitely one of those games I played through, and I really didn't feel the need or desire to return to it. Because it showed that darkness of humanity. Yeah. And it showed how animalistic mm-hmm. we can be when you get pushed to that breaking point. Well, I I, I said at the start of the show that I, I don't tend to go back and replay single-player narrative-driven games. Mm-hmm. But The Last of Us is the exception to that because I did play it on the PS3. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. One of the best games I've ever played on the PS3 without question. And then when the PS4 came out, when I got a PS4 Pro, and that updated version came out, I was like, you know what? I want to play this at 60 FPS. And so I did, and I loved it all over again. So um, I'm kind of contradicting what I said previously, but I would probably get this, <laughs> Nate, and and give it another go, especially if there's new content that's been added to the game. See, I think that's going to be the tr- – that's what they're going to use to get us to triple dip. Right. They know they can't give us the exact same game that we can currently play backwards compatible in just Last of Us visuals. There has to be something new. There has to be something to entice us into this world. And it has to be kind of a narrative change. At the same time, they are kind of confined to the narrative structure of the first game in many ways. Like you kind of have to conclude the exact same way because that leads into part two. But maybe you could further expand on certain areas towards the conclusion so that the motivations of part two and the characters are a little better understood for the end user or even a lot of the stuff that happens in the middle of the last of us part one. I mean, you have cannibals, Mm -hmm. you can flesh out these characters more. You can flesh out Joel. If you wanted to, you could flesh out his brother, Ellie. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of areas you could really dive deeper into with a remake. And depending on how the show is structured, I'm sure they're kind of in communications with HBO and the show writers to say, hey, this is what we're planning to do with this remake. What are you guys doing with the show? Maybe this is something that we're going to implement that you're going to borrow from. I think there's going to be a lot of like that type of communication and collaboration. And you can even look at the latest Spider-Man movie. Some of the ideas for these films were taken from Insomniac's Spider-Man games. Yep. So I'm expecting something similar here. But we also have another Last of Us project that I believe we will finally see. 
2022, and that's factions. Yes. This was announced and was supposed to release with The Last of Us Part Two going on just about two years ago now. They've been silent about the project. They just say it's very ambitious. This feels as though this is something that has to come out this year if you really want fans to care about it because it's been a long, long time. This is something that I've been struggling with, wondering if this is even a thing. What I mean, what I mean by that is, yes, it's a thing, but is it a thing that we'll <laughs> ever see the light of day get released? Because I, I am curious as to why it's taken so long, especially given the fact that The Last of Us Part 2 is, am I right in saying it's a three-year-old game now? Or a two-year-old game. I think it's two years. Two years. So I mean, it's still been a, a long time since that game came out. Yes. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I have heard stories about factions this year, but it's also like, man, you're just you're just dropping this multiplayer for The Last of Us Part Two. You know, literally two years after the fact. See, that's the one area that I have a hang-up over is how do you bring this to market. Do you, right. do you bring it as a free-to-play game or do you package it with The Last of Us Part 1 remake so you can bring that $60 or $70 price tag on it and you make it feel as though it is a more complete package? Because The Last of Us Part 1 on the PlayStation 3 did have the multiplayer factions. Mm -hmm. So maybe they pivoted to that at this point, that the factions that we had originally heard of, which was supposed to be part of Part 2, is no longer part two it's going to be packaged with part one and that way they do deliver on their promise just in a slightly different way i mean maybe they're looking at the success of halo infinite online and maybe mm -hmm. they will make it a, a free-to-play game with certain microtransactions and things that that you can do mm -hmm. you know um but yeah factions for me is an interesting one like it's one of those things where it's like we know what exists but when will we actually see it and where will it fit into the grand scheme of things? Your idea about potentially bundling it with The Last of Us remake uh, does make a lot of sense, especially, again, if you align it with the TV show. It does make mm -hmm. a lot of sense. But, yeah, man, um, I am curious as to why it's taken so long, to, you know, for this game to yeah. come out. And we still have to wait probably most of this year before we see it. I mean, like the only thing I could really imagine has happened is that they were working on factions as, you know, as much as they could. They have said it's very ambitious and the scope is larger than what they originally yeah. envisioned. And then Ooh. based on the reporting with The Last of Us Part One, it was that they had an external studio who made the pitch and then Naughty Dog took it over. So they may have just said, now we're doing both these projects. You got to merge them. I mean... It it kind of sounds like, and I, I don't know anything about factions, but does it? I mean, it almost sounds like one of these H one Z one style games where you got to like build stuff and then you know survive. You know, these hordes of um, right clickers and and <laughs> whatever they call them in the game. You know, trying to trying to get. I, I don't know. I mean, it does sound ambitious and it sounds interesting, but I'll, they have a lot to deliver. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And you got to wonder, I mean, look, most of these Naughty Dog games over the years have had a multiplayer edition, but mm -hmm. let's be honest, like, I mean, Uncharted multiplayer was fun for a while. 
The Last of Us multiplayer yes. was fun for a while, but the multiplayer is not what we know Naughty Dog to be. You know, they're not a company that does that. I mean, they they do an amazing job, but we're mm-hmm. all it's all about the single player stuff. So, you know, is this something that they've really been working on over the last two years, or is this something else? Like, whatever's next, you know, for the Uncharted, mm-hmm. the Uncharted series, or maybe The Last right. of Us Part Three, you know, or whatever. I mean, or maybe there's multiple teams working on different things. I guess we'll find out, you know, this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot to look forward to from The Last of Us, and 2022 definitely feels as though the year we begin to get those answers, and. There's been another title that's been in headlines, and it is Twisted Metal. Now, mm. Twisted Metal, it is in development at Fire Sprite. Yes. I can confirm that piece of information that Fire Sprite is working on Twisted Metal for PlayStation 5. Development is still very early. I don't think this is a title that we will even see announced this year. If they do, it's going to be like a trailer and maybe yeah. Sony just announcing ambitions to return to their long classic of sweet tooth and yep. the twisted metal franchise but this isn't a title that's coming out this year or anything but it would be nice just to see a quick teaser trailer because i it has that nostalgia value agree and i think we will see something from twisted metal this year a teaser trailer even if it's cgi most likely will mm-hmm. be but yes i don't think that twisted metal is a 2022 release i think it will Need a little bit more time in the oven before we actually <laughs> see it on our PS5s. <laughs> I would say probably mid next year is when we'll see that game. See, now this is the challenging thing with Sony, especially in comparison to Nintendo, is a lot of Sony's key first party developers have either just released games or they are on the verge of releasing games in 2022. And that makes predictions for what we will see outside of the titles we've already talked about in 2022 from sony very difficult mm-hmm. we know sucker punch is working on a new title but it feels far too soon for them to have something out in 2022 we just had the ghost of Tsushima dlc come out last year as well as the deluxe version of the game could we potentially see their vision of a new infamous in 2022 maybe as an announcement, but not a release Right. if they are indeed working on that project. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, you know, if we get the games that we've already talked about come out this year with no delays, right, mm-hmm. sprinkled in with new trailers of up-and-coming releases that we don't know anything about yet, like a mm-hmm. new Infamous game or like a Order 1887 or a Bloodborne 2, <laughs> I'm totally fanboy. Wow, you're you're dreaming big right now. But if you you know if you get if you get people excited about the future, right, and deliver the four or five games that you had committed to this year, then you've done your job, in my opinion. You you've had a pretty successful year. You've kind of covered all your bases. And I know we haven't talked about this yet, and we will be. But there's also PSVR two stuff as well that we we want to need to get into mm-hmm. and chat about. Plus the yeah. Spartacus stuff as well. So I mean, I think right. I think if Sony delivers on all those things, there's no delays, and they give us one or two hype announcements of up and coming titles that we mm-hmm. are not privy to right now. And the, I know I said Order eighteen eighty seven and Bloodborne too, but 
I mean, you know, <laughs> if they give us something from their back catalogue, if they give us some announcement for, for a game, uh, that would be pretty hype, I think. And then, of course, you know, the longer-term games, the Wolverine and and all that, the, the Spider-Man. Right. You know, those games are still in development as well. So, you know, all of a sudden you've kind of solidified this year, you've gotten people excited about next year. And yeah, I mean, it's all all guns blazing at that point. Yeah, that's like like a title like the Wolverine. I could see us getting another trailer this year because that feels as though that's yep. a title that's coming out in 2023 because right. it's likely smaller in scale compared to the Spider-Man. Yes. So that's something we'll see a quicker turnaround on. I wouldn't dismiss the possibility we get a first look at Blue Point's original project this year either. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't dismiss that as well. Because that sounds like it's supposed to be a smaller project for mm-hmm. the team to really kind of come into their own. So that's definitely on the shelf of a 2022 reveal. And, you know, Wolverine, Spider-Man 2, Blue Point. Mm-hmm. I don't expect that we would have... I don't foresee a major wow, I didn't expect that to be announced and come out in 2022 reveal from Sony's first party publishers outside of the titles we've already discussed because that feels as though that's where their internal teams are really at right now. We know they have other development teams that are busy at work on unannounced projects, but they still feel as though they're another year or two away from release and even potentially being revealed. And 2022 is, it's kind of the leftovers of the games that didn't make 2021 due to various delays and it's that nice, it's the filling year. Mm-hmm. It's going to satisfy with nice big releases that we have discussed. And it's kind of Sony's way of making making preparations for when the true feast begins, which will be 2023 and beyond. Right. And hopefully by 2023, these titles are no longer cross-generation. Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess we should we should talk about that here real quick. I mean, Sony has committed to the PS4, you know, for this year, right, uh, producing yes. another 100 million units. And I guess- look, One million. Sorry. <laughs> One million units, not 100 million. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that number. I mean, and I think the reasoning there, the rationale there is, look, you know, we are bringing out some some big games this year. God of War, Ragnarok is coming out. Mm-hmm. Forbidden West is coming out. Gran Turismo is coming out. We want to make sure that people get the the- the option, the chance to play these games, and that we don't really have a huge preference on which system you're going to play them on. We will offer them to both. And, yes. you know, if you don't, if you're not on board with Sony, then jump on board. You know, this is the, our way of extending that, you know, courtesy to you. So mm-hmm. I think it's a smart move, but I also, Hopefully, Nate, this is the last year of this, right? I mean, we we have to cut. We got to cut the cord at some point, don't we? We have to say, look, yes. At this point, we have to be talking about exclusive PS5 games. But mm-hmm. I also understand that. Look, these games. I mean, these games were launched. Well, sorry, these games were talked about during the launch of the PlayStation Five, right? So these games have been in development for a long time. All three of these games that are coming out this year have been in dev for many, many years. And they all yes. started development on PS4 dev kits. Let's, I mean, let's be honest about that. So yeah, uh-huh. it does make sense that these will be cross generational. But at some point, we have to say, look, we, we we have to be done with this. And I I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, what the, the it, Last of Us remake is it going to be an exclusive PlayStation Five release, or is it going to be on the PS4? You know, I mean, 
see that's a challenge right there because because of the tv show mm-hmm. you would want it on as many systems as you could that's what i'm because, thinking as well yeah because you yeah you'd want that appeal to people who maybe they're not ready for that you know they haven't been able to find a ps5 right. so they can buy that playstation 4 and they can play the last of us yeah and it makes sense from that business standpoint for Sony that they don't care where you're playing these games as long as you're playing them. If I'm Sony, the only thing I'm really surprised about is that they have not cut the price of the PlayStation 4. Well, make it it more appealing as that low price point or that low price of entry to some of these games like Horizon and God of War Ragnarok later in the year, as well as that huge back catalog of software. By keeping it at the current price it is, which I mean, isn't unattractive, but you could make this more attractive if you just drop the price 50, maybe even a hundred dollars. Yeah. Now, yes, it's less revenue. I understand that, but it would just create that consumer interest of, I can get a PS4 for, you know, 199 mm-hmm. or maybe cheaper and I can play God of War Ragnarok. Now, are you going to move a significant amount of extra software because of that? Maybe not. Right. You're going to sell out of those PlayStation 4 systems you're likely to produce. Sony knows they're going to sell these units. Otherwise, they wouldn't have increased production. There's something in their market research that suggests people are actively looking for PlayStation 4s. Yep. And that's why this move was made. And I would make The Last of Us Part 1 remake cross-generation simply for that mass casual appeal that we potentially could see from the TV show bring to that franchise. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, and another way to look at it is The Last of Us on the PS4 right now is is an update from the original PS3 game. So, mm-hmm. you know, this will this will be a much much better looking game overall and and everything. Yes. You know, more yep. in line with maybe The Last of Us Part 2, that kind mm-hmm. of visual fidelity. So I mean I think I think it makes sense that yeah they will I mean I think this year everything everything announced will most likely be cross generational. Yeah, if it's announced and released this year it's cross gen. Right. And right. I, then I think 2023 will really be the beginnings of next generation. It's going to be when we see exclusives really start to deliver and be released on the PlayStation 5 from Sony's internal studios. Because, I mean, as mentioned at that point, you're looking at two years of cross-generation support, which is quite giving when you look back at the previous generations. I mean, PS3 going into PS4, it's immediately cut. Mm -hmm. There was no overlap in releases. I mean, now we are in an unprecedented situation where the industry has never faced a pandemic like this. Yep. So pivots were made and they're adjusting the best they can. And, you know, Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft have all made the pivots, third-party developers as well, where they've committed resources to current-gen and next-gen versions of games because they have to. They can't ignore the base that the PlayStation 4 has in favor of the smaller user base on the Xbox and PlayStation 5. And with the chip shortage impacting hardware, these budgets of these games, they're looking, saying, how can we make money? Mm -hmm. We have to do cross-generation releases. So it's definitely, it's understandable. More people get to play it. It's also, you know, very similar to why Sony does PC versions. They want more people to experience the games. They want to make more revenue. Everyone, you know, everyone benefits. Absolutely. 
As they should. I mean, the the, P- yes. the PC thing is something that's working out for them. It's been very successful for them so far. And I think, yeah, you know, I, I was a skeptic. I, I, I think about a year ago, I would have told you that I didn't believe that God of War would ever be on anything other than a PlayStation system. And uh, I mean, but clearly, <laughs> clearly things have changed a lot since then. And Sony is uh, looking to bring, mm-hmm. I think, their entire catalog to the PC where it makes sense for them to do so. Yes. I mean, and we're going to continue to see that in 2022. More and more back catalog games from Sony's publishing studios are going to make their way to PC. And PC gamers are going to have a lot to enjoy from Sony's first party efforts. Now we can go into some of the third party announcements that we are expecting in 2022 because a large portion of Sony's software or PlayStation software comes from third party partners. We've seen that Square Enix has been a very loyal partner to the PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 in these early days committing exclusive Final Fantasy 16 to the platform and other announcements. And that's something that I definitely foresee going into 2022 that we will see Final Fantasy 16 release likely in the second half of the year. I think it releases this calendar year though. We have Forspoken coming out in March. We have Final Fantasy origin stranger of or stranger in paradise mm-hmm. also coming out in the first half of the year and i think pending when final fantasy 16 finally does release i think we finally see square enix announce final fantasy 7 remake part 2 Ooh. as a playstation 5 exclusive okay big, big yes. announcement Yes, PlayStation 5 exclusive, no PlayStation 4 version. Is it coming out in 2029? When are we seeing it? I think it comes out next year, 2023. That's a quick turnaround. That's a quick turnaround. But I mean, it also makes sense. Again, it's been, you know, it's been, well, it was almost just over a year ago, right? When, am I getting my years mixed up? Maybe, (laughs) was it two years ago now when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out? It was two years ago, wasn't it? 2020 march 2020. of 2020 this whole COVID thing has got me turned around nate um so it's been <laughs> about two years right since we've seen that game i mean i guess you know 2023 isn't a stretch given that because it's been a little bit of time since that mm-hmm. game came out but oh 2023 that would be that would be a pretty hype announcement if uh they run a trailer for this year and they have 2023 at the end of it. I think people would be really excited to see that. I, I know yeah, I would I think, be. Yeah, I think it would actually kind of catch people by surprise only because it does, you know, kind of as you joked, I think people kind of expected like, oh, part two won't come out to 2024 and then part three won't come out to 2030 and will be a whole new generation of consoles. I think Square is aware of that and you know, they're trying to proceed development as smoothly as possible and they want quicker turnarounds, especially for an episodic game of this size and prestige. So I think, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two gets announced this year, releases next year, hype announcement whenever it happens. Have Final Fantasy XVI also be another big deal from Square Enix this year. Um, trying to think of anything else I could see from Square this year with the you know PlayStation in mind specifically. Hmm. Maybe something from the Nier franchise because that seems right. to be kind of gained popularity over the last couple of years. Um, 
we know Square Enix is working close with Forever Entertainment on something. Yep. Maybe we'll see Parasite Eve make a comeback. No, we won't. We won't <laughs> see that. Source code got thrown out years ago. Oh. I mean, it's possible it could come back, of course. You know, there's there, there's obviously ways to reverse engineer games and and get them get them back, but oh, that would be a pretty big undertaking. I would love to see <laughs> Parasite Eve come back. And if Jeff Grubb is listening, I'm I'm gonna root for Einhander. I want to see Einhander come back. <laughs> well, based on the GeForce leak, we do know that they have ambitions to bring Final Fantasy tactics back. Yep. And I could see that as a potential announcement in 2021. Multi-platform, of course. I don't think Sony would go out of their way to secure that one. But so you know, it's always possible. Um a third party I do expect that we'll get news from this year is from Atlas. And this is something that was in headlines over the last week. And it's Persona 6. Now, I fully I fully believe that Sony is they will retain whatever exclusive leverage they have with the mainline Persona games. We've seen this time and time again. But Persona 6 is going to be, as we mentioned with previous other software, it's going to be a cross-generation game. Persona 6 will be a PS4 and PS5 title. We saw this with, with Persona 5. It was on PS3 and PlayStation 4. It makes sense for Atlas to keep it cross-generation. They want it as on many platforms as possible in the Sony ecosystem to reach as many players as possible. Yeah. And I know some people say, well, why wouldn't it come to Nintendo? We haven't seen a mainline Persona game launch on a Nintendo platform ever. I don't see why that would change with Persona 6. I think we'll see, as mentioned in the Nintendo episode, I think we'll see Persona 4 Golden come to the Nintendo Switch or at least be announced with the Nintendo Switch in 2021. I also think Persona 4 Golden will come to PlayStation 4 and even PlayStation 5 in 2021 because it came to PC and I think it's just the natural step for Atlas to take that PC version and bring it to those consoles. And the reason Switch would be included in that is that we have Persona Ultimix that was announced at the Game Awards. It was announced for Switch and PlayStation 4. And I think that's why Persona 4 Golden will go to those exact platforms. But Persona 6 would come to PlayStation 4 and PS5 as the main console. Now, down the line, we're talking years down the line, maybe it goes multi-platform, but Sony still appears to have some sort of exclusive holding on the mainline Persona games, and I don't see that changing with Persona 6. Yeah, I think you're right. The only part I disagree with you on is well, we won't see Persona 4 Golden on the Switch. You don't think that's possible nah. after seeing Persona 4 Ultimax go to Switch? I don't think so. What about that potential website leak where if you typed in v2 at the end of the url it showed the midnight collection for switch and ps4 which would include persona mm. 4 golden just a glitch maybe someone's <laughs> someone's messing with the code i mean maybe just a glitch it's happened before maybe. it has that's true I, I'm, I'm i'm basing my my prediction on the past but logic and we'll see. yeah i mean we know atlas definitely wants to expand the persona franchise to other platforms based on the surveys and such but i think that's kind of going to be limited to the previous mainline games 
basically if it's come to PC, then I think it will come to other platforms after a year or so. But any new entries will continue to be PlayStation exclusive for at least a year, two year, three year, whatever Sony somehow is able to maneuver with Atlas. Yep. Now for other third parties, we know we have titles like Ghostwire Tokyo coming. We have Pragmata from Capcom. I think Overall, not really expecting any huge exclusives for the PlayStation 5 from these third-party partners because we know they really favor multi-platform releases, and I kind of foresee that continuing in 2022. But we'll definitely get more information on, like, Pragmata. We'll finally have the release of Ghostwire Tokyo, which, I mean, shaping up to potentially so. be a pretty hype game. Yeah, it, lo- it looks good. It's interesting. I hope so, that we'll we'll get to see that game soon because it's 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 been i don't want to say in development hell but it's it's been a game that's been around for a while you know it was right there with Deathloop, you know and Deathloop is has come and gone and we're still waiting for ghostwire so hopefully we'll get to see more of that game here pretty soon mm-hmm. now are there any other third party predictions you can think of or that you're anticipating this year from sony's many partners just one I'm anticipating that Silent Hill will not be featured this year. So you don't think we will see Silent Hill from everyone's favorite studio? Is that Konami or is that Blooper Team? Blooper. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. What about, you know, Konami's an interesting one to bring up, though. Yep. Will we see Konami in any meaningful way in 2022? Uh, we will see... Konami in some way, whether it's meaningful, I'm not sure. <laughs> but think about an old franchise that you barely remember, and they'll probably bring it back in some type of retro throwback collection. Okay, I like that. That's a good little. I like that. But I don't know what that would be yet. Time to think of some old school like, classic uh, Konami games, like, like Legend of the Mystical Ninja or Pocky and Rocky or. <laughs> Parodius, that's a good one. The Parodius collection. Okay. All right, everyone listening, think of some old school Konami involved games. Hypersports, the Hypersports collection. Were they supposed to? Remember when they were supposed to make a Hypersports (laughs) game for the Switch? Yeah, came out. They announced it. Apparently, they had like behind the door demos with media. That's right. And then the game just never came out. It must have been terrible. Like they must have played it. Like this game sucks. Oh, like new Contra game, like a a a sequel to that that Switch Contra game they brought out like three years ago. No, (laughs) no, don't don't will that. That game was terrible. That was like a mobile game they repurposed into a platform game at the last minute. They're like, we have to make money. But yeah, I mean, so, Konami could could easily go back in their library God. of games and and give us something. Yes, but it's nice. not it's not going to be anything, um, anything big. of any major significance. Let's oh. say, damn. But something to look forward to. Yep. Now we have to bring up this topic because it's in the news this week: acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Microsoft just acquired or is planning to acquire. Activision Blizzard, the deal will be closed sometime between July 2022 and June 2023. And obviously, this leads to people saying, well, what is Sony going to do in response? Well, Sony can't do anything 
of this magnitude. They don't have $70 billion. Right, nor, nor, the, nor do they want to. Even if they did, I don't think it's Correct. their style. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on everything that happened last year where they they made specific targeted acquisitions to companies, I think we'll see that continue this year. You know, they kind of cherry pick companies that they want to acquire that that have been strategic partners with them for a while and will help grow their brand. And I expect that to continue. I I kind of mentioned, I think we've talked about this before, but Sony isn't in the business of picking up a WB or a Take-Two or a company that has all this like legacy of just stuff that they, they don't care about. All they care about is the, you know, what can bring and add value to their company pretty much immediately and hit the ground running because they've worked with that that particular company for a long time. So getting these smaller, focused, targeted acquisitions, I would expect that to continue. And some of these companies are kind of ex-dev companies, support studios that, that you may not necessarily kind of think about. And um, I, I would expect that to continue, especially as they ramp up, you know, the PC side mm-hmm. of, of the business, uh, ramping up the PlayStation 5 stuff. I mean, the, the VR side as well is obviously something we, we're going to chat about here as well. So I think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think more of the same when it comes to acquisitions, you know, as last year. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there because even title or studios like Fire Sprite, this was a studio who already had experience with Sony in the past. And if you even look at their logo, they've kind of repurposed it to resemble something similar to Wipeout. Right. And... You know, you're going to look at those types of studios or employees who may have had that history with Sony and you're going to maybe look at the or ambitious indie studios who have worked close with Sony. Just as an example of a team, Bug Snacks. Mm-hmm. That's the type of team I think would be on Sony's radar for any p- future potential of an acquisition. It's not going to be a take two right. or an Ubisoft. They're not in the business to buy a publishing house, right? Like an Activision Blizzard there, they look for unique talents and they have demonstrated. They know how to acquire studios that are, I'll say young and hungry. Absolutely. Yeah. They took insomniac Mm -hmm. when they went on their own and insomniac put out sunset overdrive. They put out that terrible game. Was it fuse? Mm Mm-hmm. And then they came back under Sony's wing and look what they're producing now. Right. The Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Now we have Wolverine, Spider-Man 2 coming out. They're one of Sony's biggest studios. Naughty Dog, always a talented studio. They're at a whole nother level now than what they were when they really came under Sony's control following Crash Bandicoot and everything. Yes. Yep. Sucker Punch. Blue Point, who knows what Blue Point's going to produce. Right. But we, we know they have talent. Yeah. So if they're able to be molded into the next big thing for Sony, that's what Sony's looking for. They're looking for the young, dumb, and hungry mm-hmm. who is ambitious and wants to make a name for themselves and are hell-bent on becoming the next prestigious studio under Sony's umbrella. Yep. That's what they want to acquire. Totally agree. I mean- it's probably not something that's going to happen now, but like I always had like ideas of like Remedy or someone, kind of that boutique studio that has some IP 
that is obviously technically very good at what they do at their craft. Um, they're good storytellers mm-hmm. as well. That's the kind of studio that Sony is looking for. And I think, again, yeah, um, I think, you know, maybe maybe not because, I mean, they, they ended up acquiring quite a few studios last year, maybe not as many as last year, but I, I do expect them to continue to, um, to strategically kind of cherry pick yes. uh, acquisitions over the course of this year. But it won't be a overarching, oh, my God, we bought, Activision Blizzard, um, and we'll talk about Activision Blizzard in a future episode because we there's a lot to cover there. But again, yes. that's not Sony's style. I, I, I strongly, even firmly believe that if they, even if they had the money and the resources to do that, that is not the way that they would want to approach this. Because mm-hmm. yes, you just acquired Activision Blizzard. You have all these amazing studios and IPs. You know, assuming control as Microsoft owns these things now, but think about all the legacy and all the red tape and all the all the stuff that you have to deal with as well. There is a lot there. You know, um, to to mount an acquisition of that size takes a lot of resources and a lot of people, and kind of like the Bethesda thing. Let's be honest, it's mm-hmm. not going to bear fruit for a couple of years. You know, we're we're, we're going to see Starfield this year, but you know we're going to see these Bethesda games kind of trickle out versus just, you know, this massive dump of games, right? And the same thing will apply for a big acquisition like Activision. Yes, we'll get Call of Duty this year, but you won't see any exclusivity around those types of games until later. I know what, I know Mm -hmm. I'm diverting. I know we're going to talk about this in another episode, but Sony, (laughs) that's not Sony's style. Sony is, we're going to acquire you and we, you know, you're going to hit the ground running because we have a lot of work we need to get done straight away. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's just much more agile versus a long-term strategic thing that may take X number of years before it starts to bear fruit. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like with the Blue Point acquisition, we're going to see them produce in the immediate future. Right. With Housemark, we're going to see their next game this generation. When you look at these major acquisitions that Microsoft have done. We still had Bethesda publishing games on non-Microsoft platforms last year with the release of Quake. Mm-hmm. Whereas the moves Sony is making, it's you're benefiting us right out of the gate. We're laser focused on a very particular acquisition model. We're looking for cheap, talented studios. And there's a lot of up and coming indie studios who have made names for themselves. Like, as I mentioned earlier, the bug snacks team. Yep. Hollow Knight. If they ever wanted to expand, that's going to be a team that would definitely be on the radar of any console manufacturer or any major developer. Who's the studio that, that did Kenna? Cause that would be one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Amber labs. Yep. That, that would They're be absolutely a team that Sony should be looking at saying, yes. we can, you have amazing technology. Yep. Like I recently played Canada to completion. I definitely have my gripes with it, but it was a, it was a good freshman effort, right? They, their tech for that engine is fantastic for an indie studio. The visuals they were able to produce is wow. The gameplay needed tuning, and that is something that Sony would be able to help them with by bringing on veteran engineers and designers to help guide them 
to produce a better product. And with their funding, a sequel to Kenna could really become a Kenna could become a mascot for the Sony brand if given that opportunity. Mm-hmm. It has that potential. They just need the funding and the guidance to get there. But that's the exact that's the exact type of team that if I were Sony in 2022 would be looking to in terms of an acquisition. They're young, they're hungry, they want to make a name for themselves. Fuel them, mm-hmm. give them the sustenance needed to become your next development beast. Because you have monsters in your umbrella right now. And so Microsoft made the moves they've made because they know they have to compete with Sony. Yes. Because Sony's internal development teams are strong. Gorilla is a force. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Look at that Decima engine. Yep. Yeah, it's something cool. I mean, it's amazing what they do. And I mean, like, they're not going to do that major acquisition, but they're going to make small moves that are meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the right, I mean, it's the right play, you know? For- it is. It absolutely is the right play for them because it suits their needs. And it's something that like Nintendo kind of does as well. Nintendo's not a very, they're not hunting for major acquisitions. If something good that fits them well comes along, they say, let's go. Yep. Now there is a lot more in Sony's 2022 that we will discuss, but it'll be in a future episode only because these two topics could easily take us another hour or basically another episode in and of itself. And those topics are the PlayStation VR 2 and the introduction of Project Spartacus or Sony's online service to let us play legacy software and hardware. Now, those two things will be in their own episode coming up in the near future. We had intended to have it in this episode, but those two topics will easily take us an hour and we don't want to yeah. give you a two and a half hour episode. Yeah, I've got some stuff about Spartacus. <laughs> yes, there's a lot to talk about this, with Spartacus and there's new, a lot to talk about. All these new PS3 rumors, I'm going to put them all to bed. So listen listen out for the, the part two of this episode coming up. MVG is ready to dive in. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing the facts. Bringing the facts. So, yes, definitely look forward to part two of this when we talk about PSVR 2 and Project Spartacus. We will have that out in the very near future. You can follow me on Twitter at NatheHate, followed by the number two, to find out when it will be going live. But right now, we're going to go into some of the Streamlabs questions for this week. And our first question comes from John Mann, who donated $1 and writes, Do you think we can expect any exciting projects for the Kirby 30th? Nintendo hinted on Twitter there was more to come. Maybe a port of the collection from the Wii or an HD remaster of Return to Dreamland. Hal usually celebrates the anniversaries well. I would love an HD remaster of Return to Dreamland. Yeah, I think I think we'll see something more of Kirby. I don't know what that will be, but I definitely welcome it. And um, yeah, let's let's take a look. I can't wait for the the game to come out, Nate. I'm so hyped about the Kirby game. It's, yeah, that trailer. On it's, it's like one of the biggest wow. announcements for me this year. I cannot wait. Yeah, that, that game looks fantastic. I cannot wait. Kirby's one of my favorite franchises. Like Planet Robobot, I think is one of the best 
Kirby games. It probably is the best Kirby game ever made. Return to Dreamland is fantastic. Yep. The trilogy on the 3DS is just sublime. The GBA games are fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to this new Kirby game. And, yes. you know, I think they'll do something for the 30th. As to the level that they celebrate it, it's hard to say. I mean, right now I'd go in with low expectations. We'll probably get a pink Game & Watch. Right. With Kirby NES. Oh, yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> with the wrong aspect ratio. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, they, they actually corrected that. So Nintendo oh, did a good, good job. <laughs> that had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes... Do you think we will get a brand new original 2D Zelda game anytime soon? No. Unfortunately, I agree with my co-host here. I think the next 2D Zelda we would get would probably be a remake of one of the Oracle or both of yep. the Oracle games. Yep. You you got it in one night. That's what I'm thinking as well. Then had a $5 donation from David Cast JRPGs. Right. Thanks for the great show. It's always a blast. Quick question. Nate, can you say anything more about Persona 4 Golden on consoles? I kind of got into it on this episode. Should answer your question. It is, you know, it's already on PC. Atlas, we know Atlas wants to continue to sell these previous games. So I think they'll bring Persona 4 Golden to Switch and PS4 this year if it doesn't come out this year i think it will be announced this year we know the anniversary of persona is going to be long it goes all the way to september so that means they have a lot of announcements to make and i think persona 6 would be the concluding announcement in september when the anniversary wraps up they also have one additional question in this and it's for mvg what releases first abandoned or silent hill (laughs) can i select part c neither no, you have to choose I mean, one, which means we're not going to see the anything. answer you're going to give. Means you are acknowledging oh it my exists. God. This is, this you're is, trapped. I mean, there, we're not seeing anything more of abandoned. I mean, Hassan has abandoned, <laughs> abandoned after the debacle of last year. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to just say nothing. No. <laughs> admit silent hill exists when it's coming out first silent hill is a game that has shipped before i will i will acknowledge that and abandon has nothing except a what was it called a uh, A real-time experience real-time experience damn you a dude walking i feel like he tried to trap you there and he did he did i'm not taking sorry we then had a $10 donation from Skatittles, who writes, I missed you guys so much. I have a proposition for you. I'm going out on a limb and going to say Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is going to launch day one into Game Pass. If I'm right, I'll guest star on a future episode. Do you accept these terms? I would, I would, I would say let's, let's accept the terms because that's not happening. You don't, I know, but Dot Emu just did Windjammers just launched on Game Pass. Windjammers is is one thing, and I love Windjammers, but this is this is Turtles, man. This is a different animal. So, you want to accept the terms? Let's accept the terms. Okay. We will accept your terms. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Shredders is day one on Game Pass. I am placing my faith in MVG. 
<laughs> not that we are opposed to having you as like a future guest. <laughs> yeah, well, let's oh. let's get him on. Let's get him on. But <laughs> it's all for nothing. We accept these terms. We accept these terms. We will see if Challenge we dine accepted. on. We will but see if we dine on Skatittle soup. Soon. We will roast you on Twitter when you are wrong. Damn. Damn. <laughs> 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 that had a $3 donation from Jason X. Right. Hi, guys. Love your discussions. I always feel like a more informed and conscious gamer after listening. I really want to play the New Horizon, but don't have a console for it. Should I buy a used PlayStation 4 Pro, try to get a PlayStation 5, or just wait? For the Switch Pro. Well, Horizon won't come to the Switch Pro. Right. And that's still a ways off. I mean, if you can get a used PlayStation 4 Pro, because, you know, PS5 is just too hard to come by, pick that up and enjoy Forbidden West. Yeah, I would say whatever suits your budget and availability and desire to play this game, just make a decision on that. Honestly, you Mm -hmm. can even play it on a base PS4, and I think... It will be a fine experience. So you don't necessarily need a PS4 Pro to play this game as well. I think mm-hmm. this game is going to scale very well on all platforms. So you probably can't go wrong. Just whatever your budget is, just make a decision on that. And look, I know it's easy to say, well, I'm only going to get like 12 more months of use out of a PS4. I mean, you might, you may, you may not. I mean, it, it depends on again what what happens this year, what announcements get made, what we do see mm-hmm. exclusive on PS4 and PS5 as cross gen games, I should say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, really, just make make your own decision. Really. Then had a three dollar and ninety nine cent donation from Dragon Chi. Writes, do you think Capcom will ever revive the Breath of Fire series, or is that franchise forever lost? Man, the last the last console Breath of Fire was like Breath of Fire Five, I think that was like on PlayStation Two. Yeah, dra- about twenty years. Yeah, Demon's Quest or Dragon. I don't know what it was called, but yeah, Demon's Quarter yeah. or Dragon's Quarter or something, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I don't I think, think we the, will. I think the fire has been extinguished. The fire has well and truly been extinguished. It might. There might still be some embers there, but they're not. They're definitely not fanning those flames for a rebirth. I don't think there's any embers. I think I think someone just just doused it with like it's just char. Yep, with a big vat of water. (laughs) Poor fire. (laughs) Then had a hundred dollar donation from Calvin Atkinson, whom this episode is dedicated to, and they write. Hey, Nate and MVG, what's your opinion on the likelihood we'll see a release of Hollow Knight Silk Song in 2022? And in what venue do you suspect we will see a new trailer and release date? A Nintendo Direct, a Jeff Keighley show, a Twitter <laughs> drop, or something else? We get this question asked all the time for obvious reasons. Look, it's going to be a Direct. I don't know when we're going to see this game, Nate. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I, I've I've stopped... Even trying to predict when this game is coming out, it, but it's definitely not an indie showcase. It's probably not a Jeff Keighley show. I think it's just a regular, good old general direct. When whenever that will be, yeah. I have no idea. I think it would be in a general direct because this title transcends indie status at this point. It's far too big. It would 
overshadow basically any other indie game announcement in an indie direct. It has to be part of a bigger show, like a general direct. Time-wise, I mean, it's difficult to say because we really don't know how... It's a small development team. We know Team Cherry is only, I believe it's like three individuals. We don't know how their workflow is going. We don't know how COVID maybe impacted them, how their development was set up. They've been very reluctant to give any meaningful update on the game. So I'd say 2022 as a calendar year, I would definitely say is in play. As for when we see it, I mean, my hope would be the first direct of 2022, but it could easily be summer 2022, depending on where the game is in terms of, you know, state at this point. Yeah. But I I do think it comes out this year. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's smart that developers haven't really said anything as well, especially as, as such a small team. I mean, the amount of pressure that they already have on them. Like imagine if they started kind of giving us, you know, status updates and stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that really could just dampen the entire development process. So they are being very, very smart about not really disclosing anything, not saying anything. But I think, yeah, I mean, I know it's cliche to say, but when the time is right, we'll we'll get to see it. And I do think it is this year mm-hmm. at a general direct. Yeah, like the lack of updates don't assess don't necessarily mean that the game is in disarray or that development is in trouble. It can just be we're laser focused on the game. We're what we're working on. We want to get it finished. We want to bring it to market when the time is right. You just have to be patient. So I think that's what this team is doing. They just, they want to finish. They're ambitious. It's their passion. We will see it when they are ready to show it. And I think it's making fine progress. Hopefully we just, hopefully we see it sooner rather than later. We then had a $3 donation from Blue Ink Blot. Writes Darius, Nate, and MVG. It seems like Pikmin 4 is perpetually on Nintendo's back burner. So give it to me straight. Does this game actually come to market for the Switch, or will Pikmin 4 just be quietly canceled? What do you think, Nate? Pikmin 4 is a project that has been in development, has restarted development, has switched engines, has changed scope, has it continues to evolve and change. Whether it comes to Switch, I think is more a question of how long does the current Switch stay on market. But Pikmin 4 will one day blossom on a Nintendo platform within this decade. So before 2030, we will play Pikmin 4. <laughs> that is the best time window I can give. Because <laughs> right. it just it keeps changing, it keeps evolving. Nintendo continues to go back and try new things. So it's something they do want to make. It's just when the timing and the tech and everything is right is when it will happen. We then had another $3 donation from Blue Ink Blot, and they write, Do you think Nintendo would ever make a Super Mario Galaxy 3? Platforming in space is just one of those ideas that still has a ton of potential. Galaxy 1 and 2 were fairly linear, but a sandbox or open-world Mario in space would be mind-blowing. They will not. They don't even acknowledge Mario Galaxy 2. I mean, you know, it's not even... Technically true. You know, Galaxy 1 is the only game that they kind of acknowledge in the 3D All-Star collection. 
As much as I would love to see a Galaxy 3, I don't think we're going to see one. See, they could do the space concept without actually referring to it as a Galaxy 3. They could. That's a good I mean, point. it has it has been, what, 13 years since Galaxy 2. So you don't really have to call a space-based Mario Galaxy. I mean, they could use those concepts and just make it a new Mario game. I mean... I love, I mean, Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 are definitely two of my favorite 3D Mario games ever. So mm-hmm. I would love a new entry just in that model, not necessarily a sequel. We then had a, another $3 donation from Blue Inkblot. who writes, with the bombshell announcement of the, Ac- of the Activision acquisition, Microsoft now has quite the assortment of developers and gaming IP. What are the chances that Toys for Bob develops a set of Banjo-Kazooie and 2E remakes just like the Crash Bandicoot ones? Don't know yet. I mean, very, very early to say. I mean, it sounds like it's a match made in heaven in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with this acquisition and once it actually does go through in about 18 months, then... You know, not all the studios will be working on Call of Duty anymore. I think there'll be some some changes, you know, to mm-hmm. allow the studios to kind of have some more creative freedom and get them to do the really cool stuff that they were kind of initially brought in to do. Will we see a Banjo-Kazooie slash Tui game from Toys for Bob? We, we, I mean, we could. I mean, it, 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 there's definitely some right. But, you know, um, I guess on the flip side of that, Rare is the original developers of that game. So why aren't they <laughs> doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Microsoft owns Rare. They're the original developers of, like, Killer Instinct, Banjo. A lot of these IPs Microsoft own, Rare, uh, Perfect Dark, mm-hmm. that they have not gone back to to make these games likely because the talent at rare is simply it's not the same talent that made those games right so that has changed toys for bob in theory is a potential good fit and that's the thing with this acquisition is there's a lot of good things in theory but until this deal is finalized and we have a better understanding of microsoft's vision for a studio like toys for bob it's i mean this is that's a dream for them to do that it's a good dream to have it's a good dream to hold Will they go that route? It's far too early, far too you know yeah. early to say, but right. it's definitely something to hope for. And yes. I think they would be a good. F- I think they would be a good fit. I agree. Yeah, because I mean, if it is in the same vein as the Crash games, it's really similar to Blue Point. You're an art restorationer, right? You're going to take the skeleton that's there. You're going to make it modern. Going to adjust things here and there. It's not at a from the ground up it's not your own undertaking so it could be a good fit definitely hold on to the hope then had a ten dollar donation from dark b andy right can acquisition be done by force example let's say i own an indie studio with a great game suddenly a corrupt company like activision has interest and want to buy my studio i refused but they don't take no for an answer and they just bought it outright anyway. No. No. Both parties if, have to agree. 
obviously. Yes. Like in the case you use as the example, you're an indie studio, which would mean you are independently owned and operated. So if Activision came and said, I want to buy you for a billion dollars, you have to say yes. They can't just take you over. Right. In the case of a bigger corporation with a board and shareholders, the best example would be what we saw with Ubisoft several years ago, where Vivendi kept buying up shares. And their hope was to basically do a hostile takeover where they would be the controlling shareholder. And once they had a controlling share, they could then force the board to say, we want to sell to ourselves. But in the case of like Activision and Microsoft, it would have been the board with the controlling stake of shares. So 51% approved. Yeah. They said yes to this deal. There can't really be a forced acquisition unless like the Vivendi example was used where you just had a bigger company continually buying shares until they had a controlling stake in the company and they couldn't be. Once you have that controlling stake, no one else can vote you out. Mm -hmm. You have control, but that would only be to these large, massive companies. And to do that, it's very difficult because what we saw with Vivendi is that as they were buying up more and more shares, Ubisoft is aware of that. So they would buy back shares so they could dilute Vivendi's hold and Ubisoft would remain majority shareholder to make yeah. sure a hostile takeover cannot happen. That's why a lot of these bigger companies, if you've ever seen like the social network, just as a very loose example, you had Zuckerberg say he wants 51% ownership that way he would always retain control. Yes. Nobody else could take over the company. So it's very difficult for a forced acquisition to take place. And that is the last Streamlabs question for this week. And I'd like to remind everyone that they can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NATHAHATE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code NATHAHATE. That's one word, NATHAHATE. It's a new year, no pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. And this episode is once again dedicated to Calvin Atkinson. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. We will have part two of Sony in 2022 coming up soon where we will talk about Project Spartacus and PSVR 2. So be on the lookout for that. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun talking to you about the possibilities of what 2022 will hold. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.